As a medical professional, you're probably consumed by your work. Because of that, you likely miss out on big opportunities to protect and grow the wealth you work so hard for. Luckily, through passive real estate investing, you can place your capital in the hands of trusted syndicators who do all the legwork while you sit back and let your money work for you. Syndicators like Ascent Equity Group. Ascent Equity Group is led by three medical professionals turned full-time real estate investors who have secured a quarter of a billion dollars in assets in just three years. And their latest opportunity, Sunrise and Chandler, is open now. Sunrise and Chandler is an exciting 177-unit value-add multifamily opportunity in the affluent city of Chandler, Arizona. This Class B asset in a Class A location was secured at a significant discount and is already cash flowing out of the gate, with 89% of the units still in need of renovation. Sunrise and Chandler is close to meeting its capital raising goal and will be closing soon. So if you'd like to learn more, visit ascentequitygroup.com forward slash best deal to schedule a call. That's A-S-C-E-N-T equitygroup.com slash best deal. This opportunity is open to accredited investors only. Obviously, the listing broker's goal is to sell the property at the highest price and as quickly as possible. And I'm not saying that every single broker is going to do this, but they may have a tendency to not include certain pieces of information and only include certain pieces of information that make the property look as good as possible so that they can achieve their goal of making money. It's that time of year again, tax season, dun dun dun. How are you doing on tax season? How's that treating you so far? Well, if you have a lot of receipts and you're organizing things like your income and expenses and creating reports, and you're also trying to keep up to date with the new tax reform this year, there's a lot of deductions that we can take to maximize return, and there's a lot of strategies that we need to make sure we're aware of. Are you optimizing for the new tax laws? Well, our sponsor, Stessa, teamed up with the top real estate CPAs to offer you the ultimate rental property tax guide. And I've read it. This is the ultimate rental property tax guide. I'm talking about they've got everything covered from opportunity zones to entity selection to establishing a home office, travel expenses, what type of travel expenses are deductible, real estate strategies, tax strategies, capital improvements versus repairs. I mean... This is the ultimate rental property tax guide, and you can get it for free by going to stessa.com forward slash best taxes. You have to sign up for an account, but the account is free. So when you sign up for a free Stessa account, you will get this guide. This is worth its weight in gold for sure. Go to stessa.com, S-T-E-S-S-A.com forward slash best taxes. And when you work with Stessa, Stessa is a tool that helps every rental property owner track, manage, and communicate the performance of our real estate investment. So it's going to save a lot of time during tax season, but then also through the rest of the season as we go and grow our rental portfolio and optimize that. So go to stessa.com forward slash best taxes. Get that ultimate rental property tax guide. There needed to be a resource on apartment syndication that not only talked about each aspect of the syndication process, but how to actually do each of the things and go into it in detail. And we thought, hey, why not make it free too? That's why we launched Syndication School and Theo Hicks will go through a particular aspect of apartment syndication on today's episode and get into the details of how to do that particular thing. Enjoy this episode 
And for more on apartment syndication and how to do things, go to apartmentsyndication.com or to learn more about the Apartment Syndication School, go to syndicationschool.com so you can listen to all the previous episodes. Hi, best ever listeners. Welcome back to another episode of the Syndication School series, a free resource focused on the how-tos of apartment syndication. As always, I'm your host, Theo Hicks. Each week, we air two podcast episodes that focus on a specific aspect of the apartment syndication investment strategy. Typically, we'll do four, six, or eight-part series, so two to four weeks worth of podcast episodes. The episode you're listening to now is going to be part five of a six-part series, so we're going to complete a series about breaking down the financials for underwriting apartment deals as well as managing apartment deals. But for the majority of these series, we will typically offer some sort of document or spreadsheet for you to download for free that accompanies the series. All of these free documents, as well as previous Syndication School series, can be found at syndicationschool.com. As I mentioned, this is going to be part five of a six-part series entitled Breaking Down the Apartment Syndication Financials. So if you haven't already, I recommend listening to parts one through four. In parts one and two, we broke down the rent roll, and in parts three and four, we broke down the T12, and those are the two main documents you need in order to underwrite apartment deals, as well as documentation that you'll want to provide to your investors on an ongoing basis. The last piece of the puzzle isn't necessarily a requirement, but is more of something that is helpful when underwriting, and that is the offering memorandum. So we're going to follow a similar structure to the T12 and rent roll episodes. We're going to go over what the OM is, what it's used for, kind of take a big step back and kind of discuss big picture what the OM is used for and how to use it. And then we're going to walk through an example OM and essentially just like the episodes go page by page, line by line, and explain exactly what each of the items mean as it relates to underwriting and For this particular documentation, you don't necessarily need this on an ongoing basis. However, there are a few other things that you will use it for that you didn't necessarily use the rent roll and the T12 for. So let's jump right in with what is an offering memorandum. I'm going to refer to it as an OM just so I don't have to say offering memorandum over and over again. So shorthand for offering memorandum is the OM. Essentially, it is a sales package that highlights the ins and outs of an on-market investment offering. So an offer memorandum is something that is created by the broker who is listing the deal and it is used to essentially market the property to interested investors. The OM is actually used for multiple purposes. Number one, you can use it to actually screen deals. So within the first few pages of the OM, there will be an executive summary that basically summarizes everything that's going to be in the following pages. So the OM we're gonna go over today is about 50 pages long. And it's broken down different sections about the market and the property and the financials, the business plan. And the executive summary essentially summarizes all of that. And if you read that, you can see, okay, what type of property is this? What's the expected business plan? And determine if it meets your investment criteria. And your investment criteria, if you remember from previous Indication School series, which is not from one series, we kind of went about creating it over multiple episodes, but that's going to be the submarket or the neighborhood. So, you know, the first page, you'll be able to tell, okay, where is this property located? Okay, it's in California. My target market is Texas, so I can completely ignore this one. If it's in your market, then you can look at the number of units, date of construction, and the property class to determine if it meets your investment criteria, as well as the 
business plan. So typically, when the property is listed for sale and you're sent to the listing, it will say this is a turnkey property, this is a highly distressed property, this is a value-add property. So essentially, one of the ways you can use the OM is to screen deals, and that's as simple as reading that executive summary. Secondly, it will be used during the underwriting process. However, it will only be used as a guide because the information is likely biased. I was trying to think of what would be a good analogy for the OM and the T12 and the rent roll. And I would say that the T12 and the rent roll are kind of the do a movie analogy. So there's always those movies that are based on a true story, but they're typically exaggerated. And the actors are much better looking than the actual people. And the events seem to go faster. And it's more entertaining and engaging. And it's used for marketing purposes. Because obviously if they just made a movie that exactly happened, to be too boring. And it wouldn't grab people's attention. Well, the offer memorandum is like the based on a true story movie, whereas the T12 and the rent roll are what actually happened. And when you're looking at deals, you want to know what's actually going on, not what some movie producer, which is the broker in this case, is telling you. But still, just because the information is likely biased, there's still some very good info in there that you'll be able to use when underwriting, as well as when you are preparing an investment summary, which is the third thing it could be used for. And the investment summary, we haven't talked about this yet on the syndication school series, but essentially once you put a deal under contract, you're going to want to create your own offering memorandum, which is ideally not based on a true story, but is the actual true picture of the actual deal. And it's going to look similar to the OM. So it's going to have similar sections. You're going to have your executive summary. You're going to have your market information, the property description, and your financials. So one, you can use the kind of the structure of the OM as a guide to create your own investment summary. But also, you might be able to pull some of the information that the brokers have already found and include that in your investment summary. Specifically, the market data. So typically, the market data in these OMs are going to be accurate. The only thing that you necessarily don't want to follow is the the financials. But we'll discuss that here a little bit later in the episode. Lastly, you are going to use an OM when you are selling. So not the same OM, but when you are getting ready to sell your property and you go to your broker and let them know, then they are likely going to create that OM for your property so that they too can market your deal to interested investors. So before we go over the example OM, I want to discuss a couple of other things about the OM as a whole. So the key word when I said what an OM is, is sales package. So as I said, the info is likely going to be biased because if you think about it, obviously the listing broker's goal is to sell the property at the highest price and as quickly as possible. I'm not saying that every single broker is going to do this, but they may have a tendency to not include certain pieces of information and only include certain pieces of information that make the property look as good as possible so that they can achieve their goal of making money. So at the end of the day, a good philosophy to have is trust, but verify. So you're going to look at the OM and you're going to see the information that's in there. And rather than just take it at face value, you're going to be like, okay, let's confirm that this is true. Okay, everything the broker said is true. That's great. I'm looking forward to working with them. Or on the other hand, oh, this information is incorrect. The broker either made a mistake or is lying and this might not be something I want to continue to work with in the future. Now, every offering memorandum, OM, that you come across is going to include different information. It's going to be structured differently. Typically, if you're working with a brokerage, this deal is listed by a brokerage, they're going to have some sort of template that they use and those plug-in pictures, data tables, and words into that template. But for the large brokerages, you're going to find OMs that are very detailed But if you're getting it from maybe a small-time broker, it's not going to be as detailed or as aesthetically pleasing from a design standpoint than ones that are made by the big boys like Marcus and Millichap and Cushman Wakefield and CBRE and places like that. 
Regardless, the information in there should be the same. They just might look a little bit different. So in order to obtain the OM, to get the OM for a property, it kind of depends. But typically what happens is that the on-market deal is listed on the brokerage's website as well as an email blast is sent out. So if you're on the email list, you'll get the email and it should have a link. If you click on it, it will bring you to the page on the website that's listing the property. At which point there should be some sort of instructions for downloading the offer memorandum and the financials. So you might just be able to download it right away. You might need to create an account and then you'll have access to some sort of portal. You might have to sign a confidentiality agreement at which point you're emailed or given access to the documents at a later date or instantly. But either way, go to the website where the property is listed for sale and there should be instructions for obtaining the offering memorandum. Now, we're going to go over underwriting in a lot of detail in either the next series or the series after that, vindication school-wise. But I did want to mention that when you're underwriting, you're not going to want to read through the entire offering memorandum. Typically, what you want to do is you want to read through it up to the financials, so up to when they start talking about what the rents are going to be, what the expenses are going to be. So you'll want to read up to that point and then stop, and then you'll input your data into the cash flow calculator, and based off of reading the OM and that inputting process, you will create a list of questions to go back and ask the listing broker. But the point I want to get across is that you don't want to just read through the entire offering memorandum first when you're underwriting. You only want to read up to the point where they go over the financials because, again, that information is based off of what the broker says is going to happen, where we don't necessarily care about what the broker thinks is more of what we think and what our team thinks. So now that we've gotten that out of the way, let's go ahead and go through the sample offering memorandum, which you can download at syndicationschool.com under this series, which I believe is series number 13, Breaking Down the Apartment Financials. It will be available for download under parts 5 and 6. Or if you're listening to this now, you can find the link to download this in the show notes. This is a much older offering memorandum for a deal that was listed for sale back in 2015, but it is very detailed, which is why I wanted to go over it, because it includes essentially all the information you'll ever find in an OM. As I mentioned, sometimes you might find less information, more condensed information, but this is one of the most detailed OMs you'll see. It's 50 pages long, so I wanted to do that so that we could hit on everything that you could possibly see so that you know exactly what each of these sections mean. So in the rest of this episode, as well as in the next episode, we're going to go through this 50-page document page by page. So let's dive into it. First couple of pages are just going to be pictures of the property, just to kind of start off the bat with some aesthetically pleasing images of the property, ideally professionally done. Then it'll have the name of the apartment community. The first important page in this particular OM is going to be the fourth page. It's actually labeled as IV, but it's going to go over, one, the offering procedures. So that's something that you're going to want to know. You're going to want to know what the offering process is. So if you do under the deal and you want to submit an offer, what are you supposed to do? So for this particular property, they request that you submit a letter of intent. You submit a resume and or business letter indicating the assets owned and assets purchased in the past year. So the portfolio of your properties from the past two years. They're going to want transaction references and banking references as well as the source of equity for your acquisition. So who's supplying the debt? and who is going to be supplying the equity. And then it mentions that upon an accepted LOI, the person who submitted that LOI will be supplied with a purchase sales agreement. So this particular deal, there's a call to offers, but there's not a best and final sellers round. So you submit your LOI and your basically your resume. And then if you win, you get a PSA. If you don't, then you get turned down. 
It also mentioned the brokerage commission on the deal as well as who you should be contacting. So as you remember, I said that you're going to be creating a list of questions to ask the broker who's listing this property. Well, on this page, it tells you the five different parties who are listing the deal and that's who you can contact. And then lastly, it mentions that they don't want you to contact the property owner to schedule any tours. You want to do that through the same broker. So essentially the point people are going to be these brokers. Here's their names, their titles, their address, phone numbers, and on here is an email address. Looks like you got to hit them up on the phone. Next page just goes over a confidentiality agreement about the property and the, the financial documents that are provided, the brochure, everything like that. And then once they kind of get the housekeeping out of the way, you'll see a table of contents, the page that will outline exactly what you should expect to find in this OM. So in this particular OM, it starts off with the executive summary, then it goes over the property description, then the location analysis, then the rent comparables, and the financial analysis. So as you remember, I said, you want to read up to the point where it starts discussing the financials. So in this case, I would read the executive summary, the property description, and the location analysis, at which point I would start underwriting the deal myself. And then when I was done, I'd go back and look at their rent comps and their financials to see how they match up. So for the executive summary, as I mentioned, the first true page in this, the first page that's actually labeled after the table of contents, is going to be the executive summary. So the C on this executive summary page is essentially a written explanation of the property. First, it goes over kind of the market highlights and what's good about the market in which the property is located. Then it will go over what listing broker believes would be the best business plan for this deal. So for this deal, it says that it's an excellent opportunity to complete a value-add unit enhancement program. Next, it discusses this is the business plan. This is what the business plan should be, but here's some more specifics on the business plan. So it mentions how many units the current owner renovated, what those renovations were, and how much money they're currently demanding. And then it discusses what you can do. So essentially continue this upgrade plan if you want to. And this is how much it's going to cost, and here's how much rent you're going to be able to increase it by. Then it goes over some of the key amenities at the property. So state-of-the-art fitness center, resort swimming pool, spacious business center. So that's kind of where the based on a true story is. Instead of saying it's a fitness center, a swimming pool, and a business center, there's a state-of-the-art fitness center, a resort-style pool, a spacious business center. But still, at the end of the day, it's important information to know what amenities are offered at the property. And then next, it just kind of just kind of wraps it all up and just has a closing statement saying basically how great this deal is for investors. And then it's got a data table of the investment summary. So it goes over kind of some of the, the key important piece of information that you can use to initially screen the deals I mentioned based off of your investment criteria. So it's got the year built, number of units, average rent per square foot, the current occupancy rate. The next page, it kind of goes into more details on the expected business plan. So as they mentioned in the executive summary, they believe that this is an excellent opportunity for a value-add business plan. And it kind of explains why when the property was built, so that it was built in 2002, and what it would benefit by from upgraded appliances and adding washers and dryers to make it more competitive. It goes over, again, what renovations were performed by the current owner, as well as what you can expect renovation-wise and rental premium-wise. And then it kind of goes over exactly what renovations were done by the owner. So whenever they're kind of discussing a value-add business plan, and again, we're going to go over this a lot more in the underwriting phase, but you want to know, number one, did the current owner begin to implement a value-add business plan? If the answer is yes, how many units? And what renovations were done? And over what timeline were those renovations done? So the first 
three or four pieces of information are in here, but you don't have a timeline of when the renovations were done because if you do 100 units in a year versus 10 units in a year, then the rental premiums are going to be different to you. So if they did 100 units in a year, then those rental premiums are likely more accurate, where if they only did 10 units, that's not enough of a sample size to use that as your rent premium assumption. So for here, it says that the current owner spent about 2,800 bucks per unit and achieved a rental premium of $110 on 200 units. So a question I would ask is, over what period of time were these 200 units renovated? If he says 10 years, then I'm like, okay, well, that's not necessarily going to help me out here. But if he says one year or two years, then that's going to be a little bit more accurate on my end. Now, that kind of concludes the executive summary where it goes over again, summarizes everything that's going to be explained in more detail later on in the offer memorandum. So now on, on page four, it moves into discussing the market. So we've got kind of the market highlight. So it talks about the demographics and the future rent growth. So it says the household income is really high. It's twice the national average. Here's an award this market received. And the jobs are expected to increase. So again, the information here is going to vary depending on the market. Some markets is jobs. Some markets is rent. Some markets is population. Um, it really kind of depends. It's also going to go over, this is an outstanding location and here's why. The property is right next to a highway, and it's in an amazing school district, and the airport's really close. And then it'll also discuss some employment drivers. So what's the job situation like? What are some of the major companies around there? What's the projected job growth? How many workers live in a certain radius of the actual property? So demographic-wise, they're going to want to know if any awards or anything special about the area, as well as information about jobs. And then after that, typically they'll have a map. That when they explain here that here are the big companies, here are the good school districts, and then I'll have a map saying, okay, well, here's where the property is, and here's where all of these highways and businesses and country clubs and schools and hospitals are located compared to the property. Next, and this particular one, again, it just keeps going into more detail about how great the market is. So it explains how there's going to be a highway expansion and also talks about the city itself. And then next, once it moves on from the location analysis, we start talking about the actual property itself. So... As you'll see on page 9 of the offer memorandum, there's a bunch of data tables that kind of look like the auditor site where it kind of goes over in extreme detail everything you need to know about the property. So you've got the address information, you've got your built number of units, the size of the units in the overall building, what's the laundry situation, what's the parking situation, what's the personnel that's currently working at the property, what are the school districts, what are the leasing fees? That's going to be pretty important when you're underwriting. What types of fees are they charging to tenants who are interested in renting? Tax information, utilities, who pays for what, and the construction type of the property. On the next page, it goes over the interior highlights. So it explains, earlier it said that they renovated the units. So now they'll kind of go over in bullet point form. Here's exactly what amenities are offered for the interiors of these units as well as some pictures. So it talks about your nine-foot ceilings, crown molding, get a microwave, a tub, Refrigerator with an ice maker, ceiling fans. So again, at this point, you probably haven't seen the property yet. So you want to know, okay, what do the interiors look like and what amenities do the interiors have? So this section will help you out with that. It'll do the same thing for the exterior. So it'll tell you what exterior amenities are offered. So for this particular deal, there's a clubhouse, state-of-the-art fitness center, business center, pool, dog park. Next, it will have the floor plans. So it will have a 2D snippet of what the floor plans look like so we'll have here's where the bathroom is here's where the kitchen is here's where the bedroom is here's where the size of the bedroom is so kind of just how the units are arranged 
for each of the different unit types at the property. So for this particular deal, there happens to be six unit types. So there's six different designs of what the floor plans are. And then it'll have an actual overall site plan. So it'll show you where all the different exterior amenities are, as well as where the units are, where parking is, where the entrance is, where the clubhouse is. On this particular deal, it kind of gives you a 2D Google Earth view of the same image that was shown earlier during the location analysis. So rather than straight up bird's eye view of the surrounding area, this one's more at an angle and it kind of shows you, okay, here's where the property is highlighted and here's where all the great nearby businesses are. And it kind of does that three different pictures that give it a 360 view. I think I misspoke earlier. So when I was going over the location analysis earlier, that was actually the executive summary portion of it. So it was just the highlights of the location. Here it goes into a lot more detail on the location. So it talks about kind of the overall MSA, so Dallas, Fort Worth. And then it will talk about the demographics of that area, the educational attainment of Dallas, Fort Worth, the economy. So you know, what's the GDP? How many Fortune 500 companies are there? What companies are moving to Dallas, Fort Worth? It'll do a labor analysis. So how many people actually work in the area? What's the growth going to be? What sectors, industries do they work in? And then it also goes over an apartment overview of Dallas, Fort Worth. So how many units are there? What's the annual rent growth? What's the annual rent? What's the average occupancy? And then similarly, it does a submarket. So the submarket in which this property is located is Mansfield. And the larger MSA is Dallas-Fort Worth. So it does all this information for the MSA as well as the actual submarket. And if I was underwriting the deal, this is where I would stop because now it starts going into the rent comps and the financials. So... Just like I would be if I was underwriting, we're going to go ahead and stop for today and we'll continue with the rent comps and the financial analysis in tomorrow's episode. So to listen to parts one through four and listen to other syndication school series about the how-tos of apartment syndications and to download the offering memorandum that we've been discussing today, go to syndicationschool.com. Thank you for listening, and I will talk to you tomorrow. Stessa is the essential tool for tracking your rental properties, and it's going to save you a tremendous amount of time during tax season. Stessa organizes all of your rental property financials and automatically creates all the reports you need to file your tax return. And Stessa teamed up with the top real estate CPAs to offer you, best ever listeners, the ultimate rental property tax guide to help you maximize your deductions. Get that copy when you sign up for an account. The account's free. So get the copy by going to stessa.com forward slash best taxes. That's S-T-E-S-S-A dot com forward slash best taxes. Have you heard about the latest podcast for entrepreneurs called Tough Decisions? Listen to Dan and Danae Hanford as they interview successful people from around the world about tough decisions as entrepreneurs. Visit toughdecisions.net. And be sure to subscribe to their free weekly entrepreneurial email. That's toughdecisions.net.